It is good to be with you as we continue in our series on family. Um, I'm, in, I'm up to bat in week four. We're talking about frenemies at birth, frenemies at birth. But before I tell you about that, I have to tell you about an extraordinary brother and sister that I had the privilege of meeting uh, just in the last year. I was in the studio getting ready uh, to preach and share God's word, and I met a woman named Rebecca. It turns out that not only do we work together, but Rebecca has an amazing brother, um, and their names are Tim and Rebecca Wiedenfeld. What you don't know is in 2019, uh, these two had a crazy dream. It's a dream that maybe some of you have had and not acted on, but they wanted to travel across the country. You might say, Ed, that's not really a crazy dream. A lot of us think about traveling across the country. But most of us, when we think about traveling across the country, uh, we think about it in a car, uh, maybe an airplane, uh, maybe an RV that you've tricked out uh, with air conditioning and hot running water, the way that my wife would like to travel. Uh, but that's not what they were thinking. You see, Tim and Rebecca decided that they wanted to travel on a bicycle. Not the same one, but each of them riding together. And so two weeks from today, they're going to begin something that was a dream that they had in 2019 of traveling across the country. But as I was talking with Rebecca, one of the things that struck me is how she spoke about the love that she had for her brother. And I asked her, could you share with me just a couple things about your brother that that would be good for people to know. She said that he's a dreamer, and not like many people that dream, he's currently a nursing student, and so there's some flexibility in pursuing some of the dreams that he has, and he is someone who is curious and wants to do great things. And as we continued in the conversation, we learned that Tim is someone who loves people, and in particularly, he loves to listen to people and their stories. It's funny, when you talk with people, as people get older, their dreams become more silent. And Tim recognized that if you talk with someone long enough, for him, he has this unique ability, Rebecca was saying, of seeing what must a person have been like when they were a child. And so, as we were listening and as we were talking, I, I thought to myself, this love that these two have for each other, is that not what we wish that we had in the relationships with our biological brothers and sisters? Maybe you're here and you don't have biological brothers and sisters not to be left out because today I'm going to be talking not just about biological brothers and sisters, but how we all are also brothers and sisters in the body of Christ. So if you would love to follow along with their journey, I wanna bless them today, is that all right? If you guys have a smartphone, just take it out right now, even while I'm talking, and go on Instagram if you um, are on Instagram, and you can follow this amazing brother and sister at their handle, it's called Two Bikes, Two Dot Bikes. And I would love to be able to just bless them, pray for them as they are continuing this journey. Can we just give them a hand for the courageousness that they have? I know what you guys are thinking. Pastor Ed, are you going to join in with them? Absolutely not. Um, but I'm going to be praying uh, for them. 
But maybe you're here and you don't have a relationship with your brother and sister in this manner. Maybe you're here and you have more of a nightmare situation than one of blessing. And if that's who you are, I want you to know that you are in the right place. Whether you're joining us online, in your living room, or if you're at one of our other campuses, we are going to be looking at the life of a man named Joseph. The story may be familiar for some people that are around church, but I want to just tell you that there are some nuggets in the story today that I pray will bring breakthrough in the relationships that you have with your brothers and sisters. Maybe you're here for the first time because every Sunday is someone's first Sunday at Willow Creek, and you're not familiar with this story. Let me introduce it to you. And I want to say before we get started in the story that there is a promise, a hope that I have for each and every one of us, and it's this. If you didn't come from a healthy family, today we're going to resolve to make sure a healthy family comes from you. You may not have had an opportunity to come from that healthy family, but today we're going to resolve that a healthy family is going to come from us. And we're going to start in Genesis chapter 37 and go to Genesis 50. I'm going to just preach it expositionally, line by line, each verse. Uh, No, I'm not. I can't do that. But we're going to look at three snapshots of the life of Joseph. But because I'm at Willow Creek, um, I heard that y'all like to participate as an audience. So I need y'all's help to preach this sermon. Is that all right? So here's what we're going to do. All across um, Chicagoland, all across the world, when I point to the right side or the left side of the auditorium for you all, right down the middle, when I point to you, you're going to say, that's good. So let's just try it out. All right, they woke up this morning. And and on the left side of me and to the right side of the auditorium, if you're here, when I point to you, you're going to say, that's bad. And see, it's really bad how they did that, but we're going to get better. I'm going to point it out. When I point at you, you're going to say, all right, there we go. So in chapter 37, we begin the journey. You need to understand a little background of the story. God made a promise with a man named Abraham early in the book of Genesis, and that's really good. When God makes a promise, you can take it to the bank, and he says that I'm going to be with you, and you're going to be my people. And he made this promise not only to Abraham, but also to Isaac and to Joseph's dad, and his name is Jacob, and that's, that's very good. But we find out that there's some little drama that's in the family. See, Isaac interestingly enough, had an amazing wife. Her name was Rebecca. Rebecca had a little problem uh, because she had a favorite son and his name was Jacob. And that is, but it's only good when you have a favorite son and you actually treat the others with love as well. But she was preferential in her treatment to Jacob. And that is Yes, very bad. She taught Jacob to be a conniver, a deceiver, and that is... And so Jacob today is the father of our subject, Joseph. And in verse 3, the Bible lets us know that Jacob loved this amazing young man, Joseph, more than any of his other sons, and that would be... Well, before y'all get judgmental, 
if you're, if you're a parent, we all understand that we love all of our children the same, right? And that would be, that would be good, but Jacob didn't decide just to stop there. He, he took it a step further. See, he was into fashion, and he made a special coat that had different colors, and he gave it to his son Joshua, I mean, um, Joseph, just to be able to say that I love you more than everybody else, and that would be, yes, that would be very bad. Some of y'all are already, already going to know. But see, here's the story. It doesn't stop there. We find out that this amazing man named Joseph has a gift, that God meets him in dreams, and that would be? But in the midst of the dreams, he decides at 17, he's going to share the dream with his brothers, that they all will bow down to him one day, and that would be? Newsflash, if you're a teenager here, that is not a good thing to tell your friends especially when they live in the house, that all of you are going to bow down to me. And so he continues not learning from that. He says, I want to share with you guys another dream. I had another dream that sheaves of wheat were standing up and they were all bowing down to me too. And, that, and the fact that he had that dream is, but the fact that he shared it with his brothers once again, that is. And so the Bible lets us know that in this moment, they hated their brother. They hated him and they despised him. They had jealousy. But chapter 39 doesn't end there. You see, Joseph was responsive to his father Jacob and the boys had gone down to work in one of his fields and he said, Joseph, I want you to go check on your brothers and that would be? But when he went to check on his brothers, he couldn't find them and that would be? It not only is bad, but his brothers were scheming to kill him. And that would be very bad. I don't know about you, but most of you don't have brothers and sisters that scheme to try to kill you. But this family is a little different. And so they were scheming to kill him, but God always has a remnant. And the guy's name was Reuben, his oldest brother. And Reuben came to him and and to the brothers and said, hey, we're not going to kill our brother. That would not be the right thing to do. And that would be. But Reuben came back with a plan and said, well, let's just sell him into slavery. And that would be, see, Reuben's a little bit of a mess. And so they sell him into slavery and they throw him in a pit. It's interesting that he gets thrown into this pit. And by the end of the chapter, he is sold twice the last time being sold to a man named Potiphar, who is a captain in the king of Egypt's regiment. And that, my friends, would be, and that is the story of Joseph in chapter 37. We see a young man who's 17 years old and he goes into slavery He didn't ask to be sold into slavery. It it was not something that he desired, but he finds himself in slavery. And the Bible says that the, the, in in, uh, actually chapter 39, that he was actually given favor in everything that he did. In Potiphar's house, everything that he touched was a blessing. How would you like to be around somebody that everything that they do just works well? 
I know some of you are thinking about a brother and sister in your life. Just everything just seems to go right for them. Every time they turn around, even though he's in a pit, things are going well. But something else happens in chapter 39, and it starts in the sixth verse. Right after we find out that everything is going well for our friend Joseph, we find out something, ladies, you need to just tune in. This is just for you, it's free. The Bible says that Joseph was well-built and handsome. I didn't say that, it's in the book. Joseph was fine, that's translated into Greek. He had it going on. Reminded me of a young version of myself is what my wife told me, but I, I don't know. But, but Joseph was handsome and he was well-built and somebody else noticed this as well. It was Potiphar's wife. Somebody say mess. It's about to be a mess up in here, up in here. And so here we turn and we see that Potiphar's wife daily is pursuing Joseph. But his character is high and he says, I'm not going to disrespect my master and I'm not going to disrespect God. I don't know uh, who Potiphar's wife is. It's not, her name is not in the text. But my friends, let me just tell you, that if you are being pursued every day by the king's, by, by Potiphar's wife, there is definitely an intense level of temptation. But he doesn't yield to the temptation. And she plays the race card. She yells out in chapter 39 toward the end, this Hebrew who you've allowed to come in our house, he tried to attack me. This Hebrew that you brought, see, he's the one, he's the problem. And, and Potiphar, obviously at that point, who you're going to side with? Yes, your wife, or you're going to be on the couch. And so he decides to put Joseph in jail. An interesting thing, though, he puts him in jail, and it's the same jail that all the king's prisoners are sent to brings us to the first point of the day. Siblings can be complicated. Siblings can be complicated. I don't care where you are. I don't know where you have been, but siblings can be complicated. And when you realize that siblings can be complicated, it brings up a lot of pain. See, the fact is he was thrown in a pit, but my friends, it was in the pit that God began to work. It was in the pit and it was in jail that he began to work on his leadership gifts. It was in the pit and it was in jail that he began to give him favor among strangers. It was in the pit that he had the ability to grow in love and in compassion. I think some of us need to thank God for the pit that we've been allowed to be thrown into sometimes. You thought the divorce was a cave that you couldn't come out of and God was preparing the next person for you. You thought that child who was wayward, who yelled at you and said that they hated you from age 13 to 26 uh, was, was a burden, but God was sharing that with you so that you could help other parents at Willow Creek and throughout our community. 
Maybe you're here and somebody left you or you lost your job during COVID and you were wondering if that pit was something that was from the enemy. But I'm telling you, maybe, maybe that the pain that you've experienced is something that God wants to use to develop something in you. Pain is often the place that God uses to prepare us for our destiny. I wonder what Joseph was thinking in those nights in jail. As a young man, family's gone. Nobody to talk to, to help out. Nobody to commiserate with the traditions and things that you remember as a child. I wonder what Joseph was thinking about God in that moment. I wonder if he was thinking that God was with him or or had he forsaken him? There wasn't any right now media or, or Bible studies to be able to encourage him. He didn't have the text to be able to tell him what to do. What is it and how did he go through his pain? I think that there was something powerful that happened in the life of Joseph. That he understood that his pain was preparation for something so much greater. Listen to the words penned by Peace Amadi in her upcoming book, Why Do I Feel Like This Now? When we're sitting in the puddle of our own tears, God is close. When we can't make sense out of what just happened, God is close. When we wonder if the people that hurt us will ever truly know the weight of their words or their actions, God, my friends, is close. And when we're not quite sure how to move forward. God is close. Joseph was forced to make a choice in slavery in a foreign land, having been sent to Egypt in Africa. He had to make the decision, will I allow pain to define me? Or will I allow pain, the pain that I'm experiencing, from my siblings to propel me toward my destiny. See, I found that it's actually in the pit, not the penthouse, that God prepares us for his purposes. And maybe you have understood and realized that too. Which brings us to our second takeaway today. Your siblings were not your choice, but how you treat your siblings is always your choice. Let me say that again. It, your siblings were not your choice, but how you treat your siblings are always, it's always your choice. The snapshot of chapter 45 is one of the most painful scriptures that I've read in the Bible. His brothers have been back and forth more than a few times, and they don't recognize their own brother. And the Bible says in chapter 45, in the first couple verses, that Joseph sends everyone away out of the room. Leave me alone with my brothers. And the Bible says that he wept bitterly. He wept so bitterly and so loud that the servants and others that were outside of the room heard him. Have you ever wept like that? 
over family pain? Have you ever wept like that over being misunderstood and not seen? He says something, though, that messes up my theology, and it will challenge you. Because all of us right now, we're pretty upset with the brothers, right? Let's, let's roll. Let's go and handle this. Let's go talk to those brothers for the injustice that they're putting on their brother. Well, listen to what the Bible says in verse 5 and 6. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve you as a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So then it was not you who sent me here, but God. Wait a minute, Joseph. I want some revenge. I want some people in my family to feel the pain that I've experienced. And he gives blessing to his brothers. You didn't do this to me. God allowed it to happen to me for his glory. See, I I think that for us, we don't read our Bible enough because it's actually in pain that often God reveals his purposes. I think some of the things that we pray for in small group and, and with our friends, I think some of those things actually are gifts that God has allowed to prune us, to shape us. See, we as a people, we clamor and we cry for certainty in our lives. We want certainty. We want to know. And God never promised you certainty. God promised you clarity. What do you mean, what do you mean Pastor? What do you, what do you mean that God has promised us clarity? Look at John 16, verse 33. I've told you these things, Jesus said to his apprentices, so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have what, friends? Wow, clarity. In this world, you will have trouble. It might come from your brothers and sisters. It may come from somewhere else, but you can bank on it. Take, it to the, take that to the bank. You are going to have trouble. But take heart, he says. I have overcome the world. And then look at John 14, verse 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. There's a lot of things Jesus could have left. He decides to leave peace. Why? He says, I don't give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. The world this week is going to pause and remember an anniversary. I needed this word this week. See, on the 25th, of May last year, I was preparing providentially to preach in the book of Mark. In the 12th chapter, Jesus shares two commands for anybody who calls himself a Christ follower. It's not an option, it's a command that you are to love God with your heart, mind, soul, and strength, but then he follows it up with a second. He says that you are to love your neighbor as yourself. And as I was planning in nine minutes and 29 seconds. 
all the plans changed. It's when we all learned of the passing of George Floyd. It was actually in that moment that we all began to realize that maybe we don't know our brother and our sister as well as we think. And in fact, maybe we've grappled with the fact that we don't know how to actually love. Whether you're in the church or outside of the church, we were all brought into account. So what are some things that we've learned? We've learned how to lament. We've, we've learned how to listen and identify with people who are different than ourselves. For many of us, we've learned how to learn again. But most importantly, I believe that we as a church are growing in how to place love in action. You see, Jesus said that we are to love our neighbors as ourselves. And I think it's an ingenious thing because who do you love more than anybody? You. Some of y'all look in the mirror every morning. Man, you look good today. Uh, Wait till the world gets a piece of this. I I, I mean, some of you love yourself. And Jesus says, I'm not asking you to do any more than that. I'm asking you to love your neighbor the same way that you love yourself. But the second thing is what we've been grappling with and learning. is we've been learning that we as a people, as Christ followers, we don't need to wait to show love to others. We need to initiate the process. That's what we are to do as Christians. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. John 13, 35. It leads us to our last takeaway for the day. What if sibling pain was part of God's plan? What if your sibling pain was actually a part of God's plan? We fast forward to the end of the story The vice president of Egypt is getting ready to bury his father, Jacob. And the boys are huddling up in their little fray. Because before Jacob died, he said, boys, y'all need to go apologize and make sure that your brother knows what you did was wrong. You're trifling and you did wrong. That's a translation from Pastor Ed. And the Bible says that they came in fear. And I wonder... Willow Creek, I wonder if some of the situations we've been allowed to experience by God are actually for our good. I wonder if the last few years, some of the things we've experienced are part of God's plan. Could it be that the pandemic is a part of pruning us as the body of Christ? Could it be that the family pain that you're experiencing is teaching you patience and joy? Could could it be that racism that I've experienced in in others is preparing us for God's next move of building a church that is greater than just our preference? Could it be that the Lord is using this church and the remnant that is here to do something great in his kingdom even as you mourn and you continue to work through the pain of a founding pastor that is no longer here? I, I think that we need to look up at what God has for us. I think we need to look up and and see that his story is greater than our story. 
And we end with the dream being fulfilled that was talked about in chapter 37. Joseph says to his brothers, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done for the saving of many lives. Wow. He acknowledged that there was pain, but he said, God's up to something. He's doing something. And all 76 of y'all crazy people are going to come with me and you're going to be living with me and I'm going to take care of you and I'm going to love you because that's what love does. I have the privilege of shepherding three amazing children along with my wife, Marcia, Leah, Micah, and Kayla. And you guys could probably imagine, it's like this all the time on the, it's just, I mean... 16, 14, 9, it's amazing. I mean, never any fights, uh, just tranquility in the house. Uh, It's amazing. But for other people who have issues in their family, there's hope. See, I wanted to share a picture of my own family because I'm the oldest out of six, but I can't. I can't share it because my oldest sister is living in hiding and I haven't seen her in 12 years because of a domestic situation. She was stabbed by her ex-husband while she was holding one of her children. I don't share that for shock value. I share that to let you know That family hurts sometimes, but God has a plan, and he uses the worst for his best. So here's how we're going to end our time today. I've asked Pastor Sean to come up and pray for me because... I believe that God has some people here under the sound of my voice who've been hurt by brothers and sisters. And I said before, it's not just biological. Some of you have been hurt by brothers and sisters in the church. And I want to pray over you as we close our time together. We're going to sing over you in a moment. But if that's you, if you're here and you have wrestled with or wrestling with an issue with a brother and sister in Christ or in your family, I'm already standing, but can you stand with me? Just stand right where you are all across Chicagoland, any of our campuses, in your homes, wherever you are, except those who are driving, please continue to keep your hands on the wheel. But thank you, I see you, thank you, I see you all over. Sean, would you come and lift us up in prayer that the Lord Jesus would be with us and give us what we need to be able to grow. I just want to take some time to, to pray for those of us uh, who are struggling in these relationships and really asking God's blessing over us. God, we come before you today. And Father, there are those who are standing here in South Barrington, standing all across all of our Willow locations. Now, God, when we come to our feet, we're just acknowledging, God, we need your help. And so, Father, first, I pray for my my brother, Ed. 
And Father, I can't imagine the pain that he's wrestled through in his sibling relationships watching what's taken place with his sister and then not being able to even be in her presence for the better part of over a decade. So Father, I just ask for your healing touch. I ask for your strength. I ask for courage when we feel like we have none. God, my prayer is not only for Ed, my prayer is for every single person who's, who's calling out to you in this moment, saying, God, I need your help. And God, we declare today, we believe with everything inside of us that the pain that we experience can be the very thing that you use to your purpose. And so, Father, we just ask that you'd use it to your purpose, to your glory. Even when we can't see it, God, we just ask that we could declare that, that you would use it to your purpose. But God, would you mend our broken hearts when they feel so broken? God, would you give us hope and we need hope? Would you give us strength when we need strength? That not only in our biological brother and sister relationship, but God, would you also mend our hearts with our spiritual brothers and our spiritual sisters? God, in our pain, would you bring great purpose? God, we love you. We say thank you. We yield to you in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Amen.